Okay there, welcome to Stories About Boundaries, a podcast by Profile World, and I'm the cat, and we're on um, Kings Beach on sunny coast Queensland, Australia, mate. And um, well, today our guest is, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, go out here, the world's leading Sir Elton John impersonator performer, Mr. Greg Andrew. Well, now, thank you. Greg, welcome to our podcast. Wonderful to be here. <laughs> <laughs> is it a fair way to describe you saying the world's leading Sir Elton John yeah, I, I, well, look, yeah, I, I like having those. Um, the accolades are better coming from someone else than myself. Yes. But uh, the thing is, is that in the tribute side of things, yeah, tribute show world, yeah, that's what um, people say. Yeah, who's the people? Who are these people saying things Classified. About you? Classified. <laughs> <laughs> you told me. Let's go back a bit here yeah. because we met in 2017. Yeah. And we wrote a little profile story on your life. It was only mm-hmm. a short story of a local paper down in your neck of the woods, which is Bribey Island and the, and the surrounds there. Yes, yeah. Um, for those who don't know, Bribey Island and, and Moreton Bay regions about an hour, half an hour south of um, Sunshine Coast in Australia. Um, we met there and a little story about you. And um, back then you were heading off to the UK for a World Tribute concert. Mm, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and that, that was a that was a Trib Fest that's held – every year in Yorkshire and that is uh, by an, an event that is an invitation-only event that um, they invite what they call the best tributes in the world to go and perform there and uh, it was such an honour to get that invitation to perform there in 2017, I think, and uh, it was um, still I was first Elton tribute artist to be invited and Still the only at the moment. Yes. And how did that come to to, 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 to be invited there? Like it was something that's obviously the, it's, it's a unique invitation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, um, I've been very fortunate to perform in a lot of countries around the world. And so I think it's over 30 countries now that I've performed in. And there was one particular case when I was performing in Norway and I was at a festival in Norway and uh, – it's like all the stars aligned where there was about 15,000 people there and it ended up being I was on stage just myself with the piano singing your song and yes. the whole crowd joined in. They took wow. over the song. It was an amazing thing to, to feel on stage to hear everyone sing. Is that recorded? Was that recorded on, yeah. on video? Well, that, that's that's the wonderful thing about it. It went viral on YouTube for a short period of time there and as luck would have, the um, promoters of Tribfest in the UK saw, saw it that. and hence invited me to perform. So that was that was that was a key to the invitation. I, well, I think so. And yeah. speaking to them after they they thought it was an incredible uh, moment seeing that um, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, take us back. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the start because you know people out there want to know a bit about you, mm-hmm. Greg Andrew, and what makes an artist. Be where you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, apart, I'll bring. So you, you're a graduate of the Queensland Conservative Music, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. I, well, I started piano when I was about 11, mm. 10, 10, 10, 11 years of age. Um, started classically. Um, mum and dad were both musical, even though they were school teachers. They mum played piano and violin, and dad played piano and sax. And it just so happened I took to it very quickly. Um, 
And uh, Rose, was it, so that was at home. That was at home. I, I learned privately outside of school, so right. had private piano lessons, that sort of thing. Um, and at high school, I never really, I didn't. Well, you know, you did your normal music at high school, but didn't do it as an elective subject. So it wasn't until grade ten, because I had progressed through the um, classical system very quickly. Um, it was something in grade ten. Uh, grade 11 and 12, I did it as a subject. Mm. And it just so happened I didn't want to. I wanted to do tech drawing and manual arts with my mates, you know. But uh, they said, no, I think you better do this because, of the, you know, I was quite good at music. And it was a blessing in disguise really because um, in 11 and 12, I was actually – what I was doing privately was ahead of the curriculum. So it was like it – was, it was a bludge. It was like having no subject ended up – getting a seven in grade 12 yeah. music in those days and, and uh, on the system they had for TE scores and all this sort of thing. And uh, the irony was if, if I didn't take music at high school, I would never have got into the conservatorium, I don't think. Yeah. Would have been hard. What year was that? That was 1986 was 86. when I – 85 I finished grade 12 and 86 was when I had my first year at the con. Yeah. And, in, in, and where, would, where, where was school for you? I grew up on the south side of Brisbane, in, yes. uh, so my school was – I went to Woodridge High in, right. on the south side of Brisbane. So lovely – like it's funny talking about Woodridge. It's Yeah, I see a wry smile there. Yeah. It's something about Woodridge. <laughs> I don't know the south side of Brisbane, oh, by the way. So. Well, no, it's funny because it's always had, you know, um, a lower socioeconomic sort of area. Um, it's, you know, it's always had a bit of a, a, a bad rap – uh, but growing up there, I, I had a wonderful – I was, grew up in Slacks Creek, um, went to Woodridge High and, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything. It was a fantastic school to go to. Yeah. Um, you know, and in the 70s and 80s, it was it was just wonderful. Were your parents playing around the, in the music scene? Did they play – they? No, well, Dad, um, when you go back before they had us, my brother, sister and myself. The three of you? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm the oldest and – um, so when dad was in a position there for a, quite a while where other teacher friends of his, when they were out west doing the teaching service, um, would play at the local dances, you know, and there was a time there where, you know, about three or four, three of them mainly in the band, dad on sax, another uh, friend on piano, another one on drums, I used to play for all the dances. You know? Right, and there was a time there where they were actually making more money out of music than teaching, back yes. in the, you know, fifties. Mm. And they were thinking, should we, should we not? But went with the stayed with the teaching. It was, um, you know, a safe, um, you know, in those days, a long, long term thing to do. Um, Mum, she never played for you know they never so dad played professionally on that aspect, but mum. It was always – mum was never playing professionally. She just played for enjoyment. And I think my grandmother used to play um, for the silent movies as well. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So It's going to show that history of, you know, generations of music leads to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to know that, yeah. Yeah, and did you have many musical nights at home? Did you play music around the um, <clears throat> well, table? Well, you know, I was – 
well, what felt like as a kid growing up, I was a de- designated show pony that had to play for everyone oh, that came yes, over. Of you course, know. you were. <laughs> yeah, you yes. I sit down and play grandma. This, sit down and uh, yeah. You know, yes. As a kid, you don't appreciate it. You just think you've drawn the short straw. Yeah. You know? <laughs> of course, and, you have. And, Here we uh, go again. Yeah, and and the the funny thing, you know, for, I can remember as a kid, we used to go to um, New Year's Eve's. Um, that. Going back to Dad's band, who all the teachers had played together, and this was mainly Mount Isa and all these places that they were stationed at. Um, well, the piano player became Mum and Dad's best man at the wedding. So, so there's been a huge, um, you know, as long as we've been around, all the families have known one another. And when when we were young, we used to go uh, for Christmas, oh, not Christmas, um, New Year's Eves and all that sort of thing together. So. You know, Dad, they'd take the he'd take the sax, the other end would be on the piano. There'd be the drummer there. They'd play all their what I'd call their old time, you know, um, dance, old school dance. And uh, but as a kid, you just you know, you just weren't into it yeah. because it was like old music. Yeah, you know. Whereas all people, old music. Here we go again. <laughs> Come on, Greg, yeah. can you play this for? Oh yeah, well. Okay. well, well on New Year's Eve's, I, I I wasn't sort of because I was classical. See, so it didn't. It's sort of there's only so much. As much as classical music's lovely, there's only so much partying on classical music can do on a New Year's Eve. So yeah, I might have a token, <laughs> uh, a token. Yeah. Party, you know, hey, let's let's really get out. You know, really get out the dancing here. There's Beethoven's, uh, you know, <laughs> Fifth Symphony yeah. number forty-five. Yeah, piano something. concerto. Let's go. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but no, you know, when it comes to um, with dad's mu- dad really um, stopped his music. Uh, when I say stopped, all the big band era and all that is what dad is really focused on, even to this day. Anything from late 50s or Elvis on, dad wouldn't have a clue. So yeah. he just didn't yeah. go past Elvis. Yes. In fact, Elvis. He had no interest in Elvis. So what was just before Elvis, that's where he stopped. stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But as a kid, you didn't have any appreciation of it because the record collection growing up, you know, like here's a kid, you know, all your mates are getting, you know, in late 70s, I don't know, you might have had Kiss records or something. Well, I had Herb Elford and the Tijuana Brass in Dad's uh, thing or, uh, or, uh, you know, Glenn Miller, Jack Dorsey, um, Jack Tiergarten, Benny Goodman. um, our you parents know. and parents and our, our surrounds, aren't we? Yeah. For so sure. it wasn't yeah. until after, you know, after the con, even in my early twenties, that I had this huge appreciation because I understood the music and where it came from. So, so I love all that era of music. When when we went to school up north, you know, people who played music or, um, you know, chess, they weren't really in the mix. You know, no, the boys right. would say, "Mate, no. don't you don't come on, mate, come on, mate, footy and mm. boy." Did, how did how that how do you fear of being a musician? Oh, it's in funny. School? Yeah, well, well, this is this is funny, right? Because, I, yeah, well, no, <laughs> I was saying I was the opposite. So, I never did music at school, so to speak. Right? Oh, that's right. So yeah. I was playing all the time. I was playing rugby league, touch football, cricket, the whole thing. So it wasn't until right. grade eleven and twelve where the school musicals, right? So the music teacher at school knew I played. Yeah, know what grade I was at piano, as in classically, you know, I was doing grade seven piano in grade twelve. So, so that's a top piano yeah, okay. before you do your MSA, you know. 
or grade eight, then you do your MSA. So I was at a high standard of classical piano while I was playing rugby league, cricket, um, touch football, all these sort of rugby union. Yep. Uh, I was I was full on in that all the time. So the music teacher used to send uh, those types you were talking about down <laughs> to me on the football <laughs> oval and say, uh, uh, Greg, um, it's uh, music. Rehe- it's a musical rehearsal time. Oh, so you're uh, a sporting nut dr- yeah, who yeah. found music very yeah. enjoyable and you, you the highest level at young yeah. age, but you. Yeah. I really wasn't. Enjoyed yeah, I wasn't in that sort of category. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so it was quite funny oh, yeah. where where they'd summon me in school <laughs> lunchtime from, from the oval back to the <laughs> yeah. to the piano. Yeah, back to and it always be oh you yeah, know you I don't really, yeah but anyway that's uh, that was in grade eleven and twelve. So music's your passion. Yeah, yeah. It's your passion. I, I, Entertainment, performance. Yeah, look, I love what I do. Um, it's not the be-all, end-all of everything, but I love – look, I'm very – I find myself thinking now, in perspective, very grateful that mum and dad, uh, for whatever term, pushed me mm. – uh, in when I was around the age of 15, 16, when I was yep. doing quite well at rugby league, rugby union, I was selecting a few school sides, that sort of thing. And uh, I was losing, I was really what it was, I got to the level, the teacher that was teaching me, I really got to their level on piano. That's why it couldn't take me any further. Yeah. So this is in hindsight, you figure this out. As a 15-year-old kid, you don't, you just lose interest in, there's other things outside of classical yeah, piano, yeah. you know. But mum and dad, I can, you know, mum made me used to sit at that piano for an hour when I got home from school and I used to just stuff around when I was 15, you know, dart, 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 you know, hit the keyboard there for a while. Mm. It wasn't until we left that teacher and started with a new teacher and mum and dad's constant thing of making me do it, that bang, took off again and very, very grateful that was for it. it. Mm. And I guess as a man – Young male, when you <laughs> when you combine a sporting accolades, you know, sport you enjoy and music, you mm. must have been a real hit with the chicks, hey, hey. <laughs> well, well, you must have been chasing all over the place, you know. We we'll play some music here, we we'll watch play rugby here. Well, it's it's funny. What a package! It was, it was, no, but most people didn't know I played piano. Yeah, you know, like like my friends did know I played piano, but but piano, it was more of a shock for people that you know, say, got after grade twelve. And after, you know, I still played um, under-19s rugby, rugby league. Yeah, league, yeah. When In my first two years of the con. Right, at uni. Mm. At the, yeah. So so that was a bigger thing because right. walking in the con, a classical institution like that, uh, at 17 going on 18 years of age, um, you know, it you were basically – you getting with, you know, the musical selection of classical people there but um, or the jazz selection, but I uh, found my niche, you know, in music technology as well. So, yeah, okay, yep, yep. So uh, as much as I, you know, I love classical music, I, but it wasn't until uh, the huge factor there was that um, I did jazz piano as a second subject and I put that down to that's helped me today. Mm. Not that I'm a jazz pianist at all, but the the classical is a very precise form of music. 
jazz is improvisation, and I say that you uh, learning the different modes of scales, learning the different things that jazz brought to me, um, enabled me to free up in piano, and it contributed yeah. to me, you know, basically going into piano bars and and playing in resorts and all this sort of stuff. Take us there because. I want to fast track in that because obviously you, you went to the, the music conservatorium from that um, and coming out of that as a professional, yep. where do you head next? Where do you go from well, that? And tell yep, me your journey. I finished, didn't really know what I was going to do still when I graduated and I uh, answered an ad at um, a local at a resort, Tangaluma, uh, to be the keyboard player in the nighttime band. And uh, – Thought I'll do this for a while. It's a good place, you know, lovely place to be. Get paid to play some music, you know, save a bit of money and work out what I might have to go to Sydney and work out what I need to do, you know. But I quite enjoyed it. I was doing activities. I was part of the activities team, so I was playing in the band at night, but doing all the tours during the day, and wow. loved it. And uh, what was that for? Eighteen months I was yeah. there, and then I answered uh, a job offer to be entertainment manager for Qantas Resorts and that was based at Heron Island. So I got that job and uh, moved to Heron what Island. That, what did that entail, that sort of role was an entertainment manager for, for uh, well, it, Qantas Resorts? Basically. Because back then, sorry to interrupt you there, mm. Greg, but Qantas Resorts back then, they had a number of islands. They had Keppel. Yeah, that's right. Well, it was P&O Resorts and then Qantas Resorts, you know, uh, bought that as well. So... They, they, there was there was Brampton, Badara, Dunk, Keppel. Yeah, Brampton, Badara, Dunk, Keppel, and Heron. Right. Yeah. So, what was your role there? You basically you, you coordinated the entertainment for these resorts. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do move between them and uh, came up with the uh, nightly entertainment package. So, in that, see, it was a great learning curve at Tangaluma for eighteen months because here's, you know, someone who yes, I'd played some contemporary songs on the radio in, you know, in the 80s and all this sort of stuff. Um, you know, even finishing the con in 89. So in 88 and 89 was when I first started performing live in, in a piano bar in Brisbane. Um, By the way, what was the music, what was your, your songs of choice back then? Well, well, what it was, you had to be able to play and sing um, because there was no, there's no technology. Yes. So I was one of the first to have the huge thing of a drum machine. Right. You know? <laughs> so, so, so you'd have to just play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was high tech. Yeah. You know, it was great. He <laughs> pushes uh, keyboard drum, yeah, yeah. Cha- change the yeah. rhythm, or the yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's how good they were. Had the same rhythm, just different tempos. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, um, but but that was around eighty nine or 80, somewhere around there, eighty eight, eighty nine, where that happened, but it used to be what I call old school, where you'd you'd have to play. There was nowhere to hide. You'd play the song, and they were all all yeah you know, the classic piano songs. You know, uh, you had your Harry Chapin, you had Billy Joel, you had Elton yeah. John, you had you know James Taylor, you had you know just just they're all classic stuff. Yeah, the classic stuff. Now, just yeah. for our audience, Greg, can you name a bar because you might. Find someone's heard this or saw you play way back then. Yeah, yeah, I'd say um, where I spent quite a bit of time was in those days was the May. It was called the Mayfair Crest, 
uh, it's Carlton Crest now, I think, but but Mayfair Crest had a bar, piano bar there called Globetrotters, and uh, that was the piano bar. You know, over the future years, you know, I played in the Treasury, the Hilton, yeah. you know, the uh, Winter Garden. They're all good piano bars in those days. I must say, look, you look, look back because as, as a you know, an audience of music, I suppose, going back in the early 80s, yeah, piano bars were big. They were big, yeah. We'd go to the nightclub and there was a penis there and that was was all night. That was entertainment. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And And you go to a four-year hotel, there's a piano. People would sing along and, you know, you'd you'd, – and it's really – people – what I would say is that people – there was no distractions in those days. And what I mean by that is people went Mm. there to be entertained. Yes, yeah, this is well before iTunes, well before how easy music's accessible yeah. now, the whole thing, you know, so. You, you try to, because I'm just trying to um, think about those days and as an audience. Mm. And, yes, we would go from work. We'd always plan. We'd know that Friday night we're going to the back night club in Townsville. Yep, yep. We'd hear the music. There's always a piano there. And you probably and, go um, from there between that hour and that hour. Then you go, we'll go to this place because you knew that was a band that came da- on. Dance you know? now, yeah, dance that's right. Now. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. Yeah. No distractions. That's right. So, so when you go from uh, that and going back to the uh, islands, um, the when I first went to Tangaluma, that was amazing because I was thrown into the world of. Before we go on there, Tangaluma yeah. for the audience is um, is on Morton, Morton Island, Island, yeah, which is just east of Sunshine Coast, east of Brisbane. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. amazing. About half yeah. an hour is it? The by ferry? An uh, probably hour? an hour from the Brisbane River over to Tangaluma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it ended up being that. Um, from going there, I knew, you know, a bit of obviously 50s, 60s rock and roll, you know, you'd play some of that in the piano bar as well, you know. But where it was so fast-tracking for me about music in general was that I was thrown into um, you'd have the different nights entertainment were structured around the menu, you know. So, for example, it worked with the menu <laughs> – so this, this is a good old days of the 90s. <laughs> on train now, I'll yeah. give us a bit of arm. Um, no, 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 no. What I mean is is that like you'd have a um, uh, uh, – so it might be an Aussie bush night, right? Yes. So country, Aussie bush, but the restaurant would have your roasts and carveries and that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Damper bread and all that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Then yeah. you go into uh, – you know, you'd have um, – an island night, which would be your seafood and all that, and you'd be playing reggae and all yes. this sort of stuff, okay, you know. You, you, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, back in those days, that's how it was. And, you know, so, you, so I got exposed to, you know, you'd have a 50s, 60s night. I'd do a piano bar night, um, what else, a jazz and blues night. Mm. So all of a sudden I was playing stuff. But you, that, you've moved, you're, you diversified your music you made enormous huge. in that short period of time. Well, yeah. well, literally, I think I was given, I, I reckon – it's a long time ago, but I'm saying probably three days to come up with, as in to be three, I had to know three nights entertainment in three days and then the fourth and fifth I was doing, you know, while I did the first two nights, while I was learning the third night and, you know, I'd be I'd be learning a different night and playing the other one. Fast tracking, I was fortunate that it came very quickly to me. Uh, where I could play, I was under pressure that way. You know, you had to play, but but 
really on a um, – that did me so many um, favours going forward, not that I knew it at the time, but opened mm. my musical knowledge and what I could play – was it exponentially? So, so it's obviously it was you yourself learning that stuff yourself, practicing it? Oh, at with it? with the band members. The band, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so guitarist, drummer, whatever. Just go back to that. So you're in charge of the entertainment for Qantas Resort. That's that's two years after that. Yeah, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. After okay. Yeah. In that role, was that were you performing as well? Or were you just yes, like, yes, I was both? performing and, and coming up with the nights. So what made that trickier at Heron was that <laughs> I had to do the nights but they didn't give me too many other entertainment staff. So I had, fortunately in those days too, you dive masters and different things that people had been, they'd be diving during the day, but some of them were great musicians. You know, yeah. So I had, a, I could do a jazz and blues. I, I, the funny thing is before you even looked at the facility, you'd get a heads up before you got there who played an instrument. So drop a note. Like you, you do a jazz and blues night. One of the dive masters played great sax. So I'd come yeah. up with this jazz and blues night where I'd have to have uh, do the bass line, have a bit of drums, and and you know feature the, the jazz. Or you know there was another dive master that did um, he could play guitar and sing, so he helped me with the Aussie Bush night or the country night, and yeah, you know that sort of stuff. As a person, obviously to to take yourself forward, that is that's fast. I mean, I suppose it's mm. years, but mm. and years a long time when you're playing every week and you're yeah. practicing and playing and yeah. performing and organising people and learning stuff. Listening to stuff, but um, a certain sort of person to drive yourself forward. I mean, obviously, you you're a self-made person. You you see goals, you see opportunities. You, mm-hmm. you, you what sort of person are you? You, you? Obviously, you compete for a good result. You like yeah, to- yeah. I'd I'd say when it comes to music, I've been, you know, what's worked for me. Put it that way. There's many ways you can do anything, but what's worked for me is that I've always had. Um, a business background for music, if that makes sense. So, I mean, uh, looking at an opportunity and how to um, not only is it enjoyable music-wise, but sometimes you do an opportunity that you don't realise where it's going to lead you. You think it's going to in it's going to open the doors to different things, but you don't know where that actually goes. Mm. Um, but I would say. Always, um, you know, I was lucky, once again, lucky, fortunate, whatever, where I got myself out of my comfort zone. Yes. The easy thing for me to do would have been stay in Brisbane and play five nights a week in all the piano bars. That's the easy thing. And not, and that was great, don't get me wrong. But the opportunities for travel and maybe, you know, it's funny how your career adapts over time too. What you start off in the 90s, say, um, the biggest career thing at the time was probably moving into resorts after that and moving up the rank, being entertainment managers in different resorts, maybe casinos, whatever. But it wasn't – so I thought that was a great opportunity for someone that was – what was I, 20, 23, I think, yeah. 24, 23, 24, that I was given that young. responsibility. Yeah. And I can remember – and it was actually P&O Resorts at the time because it's coming back to me now because I say Qantas and P&O because I, they went through a transition when I was there anyway. But uh, I can remember I was the youngest person that position put on and they took a risk with me to put on, obviously. But um, but I was there for you know, another year and a half before I um, – you know, it was a great learning curve, helped me, uh, you know, got to see some amazing things, mind you, but um, – 
But it was after that that I basically made the clean cut where I became a musician in my own right. So I was a sole trader and could and could, could go between uh, resorts, casinos, whatever. And that that was my next phase of transition. You know. Okay, let's go there. So beyond that. Um Beyond the resorts and working there, mm-hmm. where, where did you go next from that? What, what was your next um, um, opportunity that you created? Um, the next thing was I probably came back from the resort, went back into like the Hilton or something like that. Then from there, uh, got a contract at Hamilton Island. That was the thing. And it was through – and it was amazing in those days My because Hamilton Island um, – though I say that one opened a lot of doors – because by playing there and being successful there, and it would have been an eight-week stint, because a lot of the, a lot of the uh, subcontracting roles in the best piano bars in Australia was, were eight weeks. Mm. So, but from playing in in um, Hamilton Island, and they had a unique setup there, where on the person you were, you were replacing. You shared the night, so on their last night was my first night, and you shared the night, and that particular piano player that I met on that night was still friends today, and he helped me tremendously by giving me no. He saw how I played and whatever, and he was a lovely guy, and and Rhett passed on uh, my name to the casinos. Yep. So bang, 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 because I'd played there, read a recommendary bank, it opened up my whole world to the casino industry, fly in, fly out, you know. So you do – and I went into that life then yep. from, say, I'd say, you know, 1994, five somewhere around there, uh, right through to 2010 was my eight weeks. I, I, I could – Many many years there, I worked. I don't know, over two hundred and fifty nights a year. So that when you work that out, that means there's not many days off at all. I was doing five six days a week. Wow. Um, yeah, it was magic magic times. But um, you know that that enabled the phase of seeing so much of Australia, mm. and also um, working um, in a lot of these the best places in Australia for piano bar performers. And in your downtime, you know, what did you do to recover yourself from all these, these nights and playing, performing? Uh, well, depends. What, what was the fun part, the other part, the part of the fun? Uh, fishing. Fishing? Yeah, so when I was in the Territory or up north, there yes. was just so many wonderful, like, as I say, it's the era, I think, where people came out to be entertained. They, you know, I can remember my times in Darwin, for example. People... First time I always remember being the first time I played in this uh, bar called the Pickled Parrot. It was at the Hotel Darwin. It's not there anymore, but that was it was on Plucker Duck's wheel on Hey Hey at Sad Day. Nice. You know, it was it was a party venue, right? And people walked into this little bar, leaned on the piano, and they were ready to go. You know, that was like eleven till three. Bam! Wow. You know, so these were late nights, weren't they? These were these yeah, weren't like the. No, eleven or three is it? Is it well, is some it? sometimes at Hamo, you know, that st- went from ten to two, midnight till four a.m. Uh, whatever it was, you know. Oh, your days were your nights. Really, that's exactly let's, right. Let's, let's, yeah. let's put this to bed. That's you, exactly right. You yeah. Really, you were, you were folk- nocturnal in some ways, you know. But you'd get up when I was in the 
with Sundays, you know, I was fortunate that the owner of where I – because in those days, the different businesses were owned by individuals. Hamilton Island didn't own all the thing like it does now. But in those days, so that the, the um, each individual business was owned by someone. Yeah. And where I worked on Hamo um, was the owner was a keen fisherman and I was one of the few musos that loved fishing. So – he knew I had my boat license, all that sort of stuff. But he'd take me out fishing all the time, so you know, you know, I just loved that. You know, so I used to get to borrow his boat, and and I was at Hamilton Island for, you know, I used to go up there, usually two, at least two eight week stints a year, for over ten years, I reckon. Ten years. That's four, so that's four months. Is that right? A year, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been you know eight weeks in some. It might have been uh, I don't know. Let's say. March, April, and I might have gone back there October, November or September, October or something. You know, so you yeah. had a few months apart, you know, and in that time I might have been in Hobart or Darwin or something, you know. And so who's behind this, like in terms of who organised your time, your calendars? Was it yourself? Doing myself, it? Yeah. yeah. That grew to me filling gaps, you know, so I just through word of mouth I was fortunate that people enjoyed what I did Uh but the big part of what you do in those, I was easy maintenance, never caused any problems, never yeah. fell off the piano stool drunk, <laughs> didn't abuse patrons. You did, know, you, did, you, did you drink? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I drink while you played. Uh, yeah, well, once a ten, good old days. People, Come on. Would, you'd have about <laughs> six lined up on your piano. You know, <laughs> oh, from, the, from the patrons, yeah, or absolutely, the yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Sharing those with you. Well, 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 the, well, the thing was. You'd have to be very careful because people would bring up drinks you just couldn't stand either. But, you know, it was amazing. I, I went into a bit of horticulture there at one stage because I, I kept pouring them into the palm beside me just to see. <laughs> I, I worked, out, worked out rum and coke really is good for palm trees, but, hey, I'm not so into over it. Over the yeah. years, a palm was growing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it didn't kill it, put it that way. Yeah. So I thought it's, you know. But, no, seriously, yeah, you couldn't drink everything, but but – it's all about, I think, um, how that happened also was that you'd find hospitality, all these places are big, but the the people in those days who work between the places, uh, like you might have a food and beverage manager in Hamilton Island that went to a place in Cairns as assistant general manager and because they knew, and, and in my opinion, I know this is a fact from some the general manager used to lump entertainment on to either the food and beverage manager. Yes. So, and they wouldn't really know. So they'd ring you and, you know, and that, Where you go from there. And that led yeah. into, an, you know, the next step of what I did. So, um, you know, so from traveling around all these wonderful places and being, in music terms, secure in work because I, I was booked out, you know, you only needs, well, in my case, I, Probably had five eight weeks since a year. I could have had six, but you know, um, maybe did five. Sometimes I would have done six. So for forty eight weeks, and maybe gone to somewhere else. So it was, you know, between say Hamilton Island, Port Douglas, Cairns, um, Darwin, Ayers Rock, Hobart, Launceston. You know, the casinos there, Perth. Mm. Um, but then I found the food and beverage managers saying, Greg, do you know anyone else? Do you know anyone else that we can get? Um, and something went on 
in my head too because, yeah, I did know people but I that was the next phase of transitioning because I built that into I would uh, find the better piano vocalists in Australia and rotate them through the resorts. So I had, you know, six, eight resorts happening at one time where, you know, I, I could keep people in work for 48 weeks a year, six, eight-week contracts a year and so these people, whether they were in Melbourne or, or wherever, you know. So they, you booked them in play. Through the resort, yeah. So right. so what I did, I made the, the, <laughs> the biggest thing in music, oh, it doesn't matter probably what you do, but the thing I really, you know, turn, you know I, I don't like is that people who don't, uh, who have never been able to perform turn to be an agent and they end up doing the things that you despise as a performer. So what I mean, not right. everyone, I'm talking in general. So what yes. I'm saying is that, say a performer isn't working much, whatever, uh, the agent might take a – well, always takes a cut out of the performer's fee. That person would whinge about, oh, I'm not working much, yeah, but they're still taking their cut, you know, no, no, no. Well, they'd find music too hard. Then they'd go and be an agent and they'd do exactly what they despise, <laughs> right, you yes. know what I mean? Yes, yes. I mean, everyone's got to earn money, but I'm saying, you know, but mm. – so what I did, uh, which worked very successfully, was that um, I agreed um, with the resorts. So I sat down with them and said, look, we can do this, but um, I'll charge you this amount of money, which was modest, um, and that means I'm, I'm not taking – whoever plays here, me included, is earning the same money. Mm. So I'm not – dipping into whoever performs here. And it's something I'm I'm very proud of and I hang my hat on because I say um, I can – all those people that I had go through uh, the resorts and casinos, um, we all got we – I never once dipped into their money. So right. I didn't cut theirs. I had the deal with the resort that the resort would pay me on top. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so it wasn't like – and see, in, in reality – the musician would never know because if I said I'm going to do this to the musician and charge 10%, well, you know, most musicians would know but, you know, a lot of people would charge 10% and still take with the other hand. But because I never charged the musicians anything, everyone earned the same money. That's just everyone worked on that budget. Uh, everyone was happy, mind you, too. I suppose it always comes down to the um, the income for the resort, isn't it? As long as they're full and people are coming through the yeah, doors. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. To have well, was it the on. era of, of of tourism and hospitality where your nighttime entertainment played a big role in people coming back to that resort all yes. the time? Yeah. Like people used to come, you know, it doesn't matter where it was. Um, but people used to come back because they'd know the staff, they'd know the general manager, yeah. they'd know this. And people would come over five or six years to the same place. And yes. I'm talking overseas people. It's just amazing. You know, Port Douglas is one place, Hamilton Island like that is the same. You would have met a lot of people mm. in your time. Yeah. And we always get about famous people and people with, you know, of note. But mm. who, who have you crossed paths with? Well, one that comes to mind uh, was in – I, I can't remember the exact year. It would have been 97 maybe, 96. I was back when um, – I was fortunate in the role. When I came back home um, to Brisbane, it was um, 
I could get a, I structured that where I could do, you know, three, four nights at the Hilton or something like that. So I'm thinking it was around 97 from memory. Um, but anyway, um, George Benson was doing, the, you know, wonderful American guitarist was doing a tour in, around all the Hiltons. And I can remember he, he, what strikes me about him is not only how brilliant he is, but how humble he was too. You know, he, he came into, I didn't see him come in, but he sat down right after his show, he sat down right at the table right to the left of me there and people are all around the piano saying, you know, I couldn't work out. I was singing yeah, a song at yeah, the time. Yeah, I didn't what's know. going on, yeah, guys? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's me here. Yeah, yeah. No, and they're all – and I looked out and I could catch George and, and a few of his entourage around there um, and they, they just loved music. They loved hearing other people yeah. perform. Yeah. And not that I'm in – that class of George Benson, but I'm saying I, I totally get that. I love I love what I do, but I love hearing other people perform too, you know. So because when you're playing so much, it's one of those things you just don't get to hear anything. You say, hey Greg, I just love your music. Yeah, no, he really really dig what you do or something. He said, Yeah, yeah. Uh there was another one actually when I was at uh Heron Island, which which was totally different again. Um, but it was um oh Great Australian jazz. Oh, his name name just came to me. Gone. We'll go there again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You jump in when you have that name. Just pop it up. We'll, <laughs> we'll deal with. Is it him? Her? Him. We'll yeah. Deal, we'll deal yeah. with him you'll, next. You'll know. You'll know. He was on his 60th anniversary tour, and this was around 1991, 92. Yeah. His name's on tip of my tongue. Uh, I can see him, but he was. He's Australian royalty when it came to. Multi instruments, um, yeah. jazz idiom, magnificent, you know. So, you, you've been on a really fast journey and all that sort of stuff in that, 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 that era, which was sort of the 98 sort of thing. And then, um, back in Brisbane doing that. And, and so, from that, you, you obviously, when did you, um, did you settle down here or did you, yeah. were you look, did you have more opportunity to go do other things? Yeah, no, I, I basically traveled in the piano bar circuit till about 2009. Right. So for the best part of 20 years, uh, so if you say 89 from the con to 2009, I travelled a lot within Australia. There was casinos, entertainment management, organising yep. things, meeting musicians, setting them up. Yep. Um, and um, meeting the meeting people across, across the – Yep, just all, yeah. so many – you know, and I noticed, you know, entertainment – when I say entertainment changed, so but over 20 years – there was a lot of technology that changed in general in our lives. Was there a point? Because I do recall, because we, in a smaller town, we did end up at the casino bars looking out for music. There was a time I do recall where it wasn't there anymore. Or mm. well, the piano was, no one was playing the piano. Or, yeah. you know, oh, there's no one on tonight. Or That's exactly right. Um, I, I think for me personally, it I never, I, um, Never, I was fortunate that when I stopped doing the piano bars, I sort of did that with a year knowing I was fully in work. So, say 2008, at the end of 2008, I was fully booked for 2009. I thought, okay, well, that's it, but I'm going to use 2009, even though I'm work, I've got all this work on, uh, but I'll utilize my time in setting up um, my next step which is 
the Elton John experience. We'll go there shortly. Yeah. So that that's so from yeah. two thousand and nine. That's yeah. that's basically uh, two thousand ten on has been that side. But I used my time in there in that last year, knowing that that was my that was going to be my last time. But I but answering your question by two thousand and nine. I, once again, I identified that, well, to be perf- perfectly honest, as much as I appreciated um, the whole thing of uh, what piano bars have given to myself and my family, um, I was it, was it was always a case when you travel away from young kids and your wife, I always made sure that, as funny as it sounds, that I, I was in a worse position than them, even though people say, oh, you're at Hamilton Island, you're here, you're whatever. But the point being is, is that everything that meant everything to me was back at home. Mm. So, so for me, you know, it worked for us. It worked for me, where um, it gave me a lot of inspiration to do what I do, and you know, probably lived a very I could live a very boring existence being away. Yeah, I didn't need to be entertained. I had, what of a term. Uh, bigger priorities back at home. Um, so I'm not comparing me to other people. I'm just saying in my role, because in a generalism, people would say to me all the time, oh, what a lifestyle. Totally. You, you, oh, you're going to all these wonderful places. You're seeing the world. Oh, you're entertaining. You know, you've got people all over you, you know, around the piano, whatever, whatever. Um, like you're living a rock star existence. Yeah, tell me about that for a second. I, I want to go... Mm. Before we move on to the Alton John yeah. world, which is a different segment for us, tell me two things. One, the buzz out of entertainment performance. Mm. Was it a buzz for you? Did you really get excited by people around the piano and getting part of that and playing? Yep. That- yep. How, I'd, how I'd say that um, all through, say, 15, 16, 17 years from when I started to that, yeah, having people enjoy and, you know, uh, sing along, get involved. The whole thing was was fantastic, you know. And some of the, you know, some of the times, you know, were just amazing in, in the nineties, you know, at some of these places. So uh, a lot, a lot of great memories. But um, I must say, towards the end of the piano bar stint, um, so by two thousand seven, eight, I knew that I. As much as I loved it, it was wearing a little bit thin for me mm. because I, I created my own, after that amount of playing, you create your own template and it doesn't matter how, what I mean, it's, it's a template of the night, how you bring people from here to there. Yeah. Everyone thinks it's fantastic. Everyone's had a great night. But the template is the same every night you play, right? So, and I can quite, I, I know for a fact I've sung Piano Man more times than Billy Joel. <laughs> I, right, I was going to so, mention the song, but yeah, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you would have. <laughs> no, yeah, I, yeah. I guarantee I have because, in that, you know, those sort of things, people people have, um, uh, you know, I see a piano, you know, three times a night, you'd be playing Piano Man, you know, Red Red Wine, American Pie, K-San, uh, you know, whatever, Cherry Cherry, the whole thing. All, all the great songs, but I must say, once again, for me, perfect timing, that I always identified that I 
people have got the right to come out and obviously it's all about enjoyment, you know. They come out to enjoy themselves. Mm. They got the right. You are piano bar life, you were public property, you as in you're the human jukebox. So yes. people you encourage people to come up, oh, can you play this? Can you play that? They've got so people have got the right to do that. And you know that, so you've got to. You've I, got I, to I did know that, and I also knew, though, if I am starting to disagree with their song selection, it's probably time to look at doing something else, mm. rather than just ring the washer. You know, ring the washer dry. I was, I, I always knew there'd be a point, yes, where, yeah. where, for what of a. Basic simple thing is, I was sick of singing the same songs. Yeah, you, you must be. I mean, you must uh, get that to that point. Well, well, yeah. Well, well, I, I still um, identified that I wasn't there yet when I started looking at changing it. Yeah. So that's where I say I'm lucky. I had that for me that I identified. I think it's time to look for something. What what else can I do? And is it, because you had those down times or those times away, those gaps, mm-hmm. is that a time where you reflected and looked at what you're obviously doing and, and thinking about? Yeah, well, well in, in the end, like it, everything everything from when I went away, everything changed. Uh, how I used to go away in the 90s changed by 2005. You know, it was a progression because in the end there for the last, you know, I don't know, I'd have to look but say, for the last – from 2000 onwards, say, I might uh, – I'd come home, you know, for a couple of days uh, mid-contract or my family would come up – you know, I'd go away over a holiday period so they might be able to come up for two weeks or three weeks, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, then that progressed into almost every 12 days I'd go home and some of the – Resorts or it would you know I'd pay for one trip they'd pay for another you know so I was very yeah, lucky you yeah. know it's, it's so so it wasn't like I was it was like pre you know how everyone seems to oh well, not everyone but in the mines and that they go two weeks on one week off yeah well mine there was sort of thing there where I was doing twelve days on two days off you know but I'd be back home for two days yes they might say oh it's twelve but but to me it was you know you catch your first flight at six a.m. Whatever, whatever, you know, on the Sunday, and you'd be flying back in that afternoon where you were playing, you know. So, wow, wow. Yeah. Now, listen, you've mentioned family a few times mm-hmm. in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. When did your wife, Leslie? Yeah, yeah. When did she come along in your life? When, when was that? How, how, how did you court her? How did you actually get with her? Because you had no time. Mm. She, did she, did she, was she one of the um, yeah, no, no, followers? Well, yeah, well, we, we knew, no, no, we knew each other before, as in outside of music. And uh, it's just something that progressed. And um, where did you meet her first? Where did you know her from? Uh, through uh, other friends. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we'd met that way, and then um, you know we'd had when I say uh, some ev- events or some parties, some things we were commonly involved with, and then you know that just moved on and on and on from there, and. Mm. Um, basically, yeah, it wasn't like uh, – I'd love to say she was – I saw her sitting across the piano for a <laughs> moment. But, uh, oh, that's, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a story, man. A story yeah. with this piano and yeah. – and, Yeah, no, and that's and a story. And the bar closed yeah. and you serenaded her. Yeah, that's and right. And the smoke <laughs> was waffling through the faces going, yeah. oh, you stayed yeah. on. Play it again, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. 
Yeah. No, but um, yeah, look, and you know, my family have been, especially Leslie, been a huge, um, you know, I always say she's the um, private face of what we do. Yeah. So for people listening out there, Leslie's Leslie. Yeah, Leslie. Yeah, is um, Greg's wife. And when 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 did you guys meet or get married? When did you well, we got married in two thousand and two. Okay, so yeah, when you so say but we were together. We, we were together for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, so for that, all those yeah. years, she was part of your life. She was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was your wife. Yeah, and for a lot of life. times. Yeah. And yeah. how many children have you had? Uh, two. Two. And they're now. Well, they're in uh, twenty-eight and thirty. Okay. Mm. They're firing. Yeah. Well, they're all in. As you say, they. My daughter lives on the Sunshine Coast in Budrum with her husband and. My uh, son has made a life for himself in Norway. Wow. Mm. So he's over there. Yeah. So I see that in those years the, the family have been part of your journey and part of your, your, your working life. Well I, well, I think the thing is we, we often talk about, uh, Leslie and I talk about this, is that um, I think Tony, my son, his spark for uh, travel from such an early age probably came from seeing so much of Australia himself. You know, so yes, yeah, that's been quite uh, quite funny how much he's travelled. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to move on to a new segment very shortly. And we're talking about the Elton John in you <laughs> and how the hell it's come about. Yes, and the audience are going, "Can we get to the chase, mate? Can we talk about Elton John? How this guy, you know, and the traps <laughs> looking <laughs> like him, playing like him?" But um, no, it's been great to, a bit about your background, just how you come to be. Mm. Um, and obviously there is there's obviously the makeup, there's a value system, there's a family background, there's a historic music background in your generational and your family generations. Mm. And um there's then there's the professional learning of the of the game through the, the, the music conservatorium in Queensland, which is um then the other part is your business mind, mm. which makes you decide and, 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 and look at how you construct um, the business and how you bring other people into into your world. Um, being musicians, yeah, yep, yep, and then how you merge a family into that, yep. yep. So there's a lot of lot of things and parts of the puzzle that I hear and see that um, that have made you. I'm, I'm going to say successful because success to me would be um, someone's lived that lived their dream, mm. having have have engaged well with their their their, their expertise, and raise a family, and um, with a set of values and, and, mm. and it's still part of your world now. So to me Absolutely. that's success in, in our human society, I suppose. Look, I look, without I think I'm I've got many things to be blessed about. I think, you know, I've been wonderfully um you know, I would say it's been successful to and I remember who I was talking about before too, the wonderful late great Don Burroughs. Mr. Burroughs. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah, on that one it was just quite um Amazing with uh, his how humble he was and how much how appreciative he's this great person that he said something to me that I've always remembered because I played a little bit of uh, piano he he was there to do a show at Heron Island and I had to do my Sunset Drinks performance <laughs> you know uh, and so he was sitting there and it, and I'm and you know as a young twenty three year old I think oh no is he I, I, oh no, he'd think this is crap. You know, what's this? Is this any good? Or, or how do I sound? Or, or you know, just I, I just did what I did. You know. Anyway, at the end of it, I went over to him, and he, and I said, "Oh, Don, you know, thank you very much for sitting there. You know, it's not um, 
you know, I know it's not anything near what you're doing, you know. Like, oh, you that, know, that, that you line do. again. Yeah, yes. yeah, you know. Well, I know not good as you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don, <laughs> exactly. Mr. Burrows. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I, yeah, here's me being as guilty as anyone else coming up to me now. Uh, but and he, and he said something to me. He goes, you know, he goes, no, I really enjoyed it. It was nice what you were playing. I was looking, he was looking out to see there. He goes, no, really enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Um, but he goes, after the tournament, he goes, let me say to you, it doesn't matter what you do. If you, at the end of the day, when you hang up your hat and you say, that's enough, and you've made your living as a musician, he goes, you've made it. Mm. And I've always remembered that, you know. So it, it, and I, it, was, it was a wonderful little bit of, bit of advice, I thought, yeah. at the time. And that's why I've been very grateful uh, that my journey so far has been um, – in, in a hard, when, you know, hard profession to keep yourself in work, um, I've been, you know, fortunate that I have been in work all the time. Yeah. I think we'll leave it there for this segment. And um, those who are just finishing up listening to us here in this little podcast, well, stay tuned. You can look on the next segment because you'll find us talking about Greg Andrew as Elton John and um, his journey forward and what, what made him um, transition his his music into that sort of um, genre of music. So, stand by. Yes, and there's a cat. We're out. Mm-hmm.